Hello and welcome to the Groove Sofa podcast. I'm Alice. And I'm Lucy. And together we want to invite guests to come and share their grief with us. Our aim is to cover a whole range of grief from a whole range of people. We're sorry for your loss, but we are glad that you have found us. Thank you for listening to the Grief Sofa podcast. In today's episode, we speak to Martina, whose mum died of cancer. Martina speaks of what it's like grieving for someone whilst living in a different country and how siblings all grieve differently. My name is Martina um, and I think that an important thing for everybody to know will be that I'm Polish. I was born in Poland, uh, so I do apologise for my accent. Then I uh, moved to Wales when I was 19, just after doing my A-levels uh, and I studied psychology in Wales. Um, and then yeah I stayed ever since because with psychology long long journey I had to do a master's etc etc um so I'm still here I've got a partner here who's Welsh um and I've lost my mum three years ago now so that would be oh 2017 yes uh or 2018 god I never remember no I was 2017 <laughs> it was 2018 that's it I always <laughs> confuse those with my age and the year 2018 if you I'm sure people have listened to Ruby's story it was quite similar although a little bit more sudden um so when I when I was listening to Ruby's story on this past podcast I I messaged her and I was like Ruby I just didn't realize just how similar our stories were um so uh my mum's name was Bozenka um and she um she was so uh sorry I didn't know how to kind of where to start so um, okay. I lived in England and I've been living here for for 11 years now and I've got two sisters in Poland so one was old is older uh, one is younger and the younger sister she's 10 years younger than me so she was still living with mum just to give kind of people context and my mum was ill for a little bit and she we she had some sort of ache in her spine and we weren't sure what it is so she took some time off and we thought maybe it's a cracked tailbone we really didn't know what it was um and she wouldn't go to doctors um she really believed in natural healing and like bioenergy therapists what they're called in polish i don't know what they're called here but like natural healers um so she had some weird and wonderful people to slightly our disapproval but I think if people obviously it's your mum so it's really hard to to say you're not doing the right thing or you should be doing something else yeah um so um yeah so she she'd have those and they weren't helping her um and eventually just to kind of cut the story short and I didn't know what it was I just knew at one point my mum couldn't walk at all um and I remember that's around the time where I've met my part well about six months in when I was with my partner um so I was thinking oh, it'd be nice for me to go home with my partner so that he can meet mum so I said to my mum you know why don't I come home uh with with my partner and then you can meet him that'd be really lovely and she said oh do you know what I'm I'm ill at the moment so don't come now um you know because uh, I I just want to get better before I meet him so why don't you come later when I'm better or when I'm you know if I get worse then obviously come but I'll, you'll come when you're better I'll take you here and there you know she, she told me a few places and I was like that's okay that that that's fine and I think what was happening at that time my sister really didn't want to believe it was anything 
like bad with mum and you never think it's your parent I, you know you kind of if it's cancer you kind of think oh lots of people get over it or um no it, it wouldn't happen in my family nobody in my family had cancer you know this wouldn't be cancer and it, we didn't even think about cancer at that point um and it, it was just getting worse and worse. Then at one point she got better, but then she got worse again. And she went to a hospital a little bit further away from home, but she knew a doctor there. And I, I reckon that was about a month or two before she died. I think a month. She had a blood transfusion there. Um, and the doctor told her that he thought she had cancer. And I remember my mum just wouldn't tell us she was in such denial she just wouldn't tell us and at one point and whenever we were talking to her about her health she just would so for me it was really difficult because she would just hang up mm. <laughs> so I'd be chatting to her and, and trying to speak to her about her health and and you know and and she might just say right I just need to go by and hang up so it was really difficult Gosh, so I, that's really really hard isn't it yeah and, and she was pushing away my sister as well a similar way because whenever we were trying to talk about her health it was it was that kind of way um and I remember one day I just said mum what did the doctor say please can you tell me and she kind of shouted at me almost you know like she was so angry she just went well he said I, I've got cancer what do you expect you know kind of I don't remember exactly what she said uh, but those kind of it, uh, I've just realised I'm wearing her uh, her jumper today and her dress is next to me to fix because it, uh, it's really funny. I must have kind of um, subconsciously done that. And yeah, so we kind of knew about it about a month before she passed away. Wow. That's so late, know, so late on, isn't it, to find out yeah. then? I don't even know if it was a month. I wonder whether it was even less, whether it actually maybe even wasn't, maybe it was even two weeks. It all so happened so quickly. And usually when you get cancer diagnosis, it's like, okay, so what is it? Is it chemo? Is it this? You know, you have six months to live, you have three years to live. Yeah, it's when you have options. Normally, like, you know, yeah. cancer is one of the worst things that you can hear, but at least you know that it's normally followed by here are your options. Here's the diagnosis, here are your options. Having yeah. you have cancer and there's nothing else, there's, mm -hmm. you know, like you can't prepare for that. And like you say, it's, you know, time speeds up, isn't it? It's like becomes a roller coaster and time runs away and you literally can't put dates on like how quickly things yeah. go. Honestly, it's just so hard to remember. But I remember she came home then from that hospital and we were saying to her, you know, you need to go to a cancer ward. They'll try to get you better. But my mum really didn't want chemo. So she was adamant she wouldn't have it. Um, and then at one point, my auntie knows somebody is like this in Poland. My auntie knows somebody in the cancer hospital. So she was like, right, we'll get you a, a bed. So um, my sister managed to take, to kind of convince her to go there and they went there and we said you know you don't need to get chemo let's just get something to get you better um maybe they have something with calcium for the bones or you know we I, I'm not an expert in, in cancer none of us are um I kind of wish I was now but um so she went there and they wouldn't admit her to the hospital because they needed a biopsy so she went to have a biopsy and she really, really didn't want it. And she was so upset and my sister convinced her to do it. Um, and she came home that night and 
um, if obviously people might find this really distressing so please skip a few seconds if you know if you don't want to hear the details but that night um, she had a seizure uh, and she kind of never woke up um, from that and it was lovely because you know on that evening she managed to say goodbye to her um, to her siblings and uh, almost not not say goodbye but I think they kind of subconsciously knew because she was looking out into the sky and saying, oh, look at the sky, it's so beautiful. Look at the boat, the, that uh, cloud looks like a boat and it's swimming away. And it's almost as if she could see something more, you know, and I've read that people kind of tend to do that before they go. And yeah. I remember when mum was so ill, I said to my sister, please don't call me um, and kind of, uh, or I said, please, if you call, when you call me, don't say, you know, don't like, just say straight away, mum is fine, mum is okay. And I literally said that that evening before all of this happened. So my sister rang me in the morning and do you know what? It was a miracle. I, I lost my keys. I couldn't find my keys and I was getting ready to go to work and I couldn't find my keys. So I rang my boss. It was obviously before COVID. So I rang my boss and I was like, look, can I work from home today? I just can't find my keys. I'm locked in. I can't get out the house. Uh, and, uh, and she was like, yeah, that's fine. And my sister rang me about an hour later. She was like, I can't tell you everything is fine because it's not. Mum had a seizure and she's in hospital. She's in a coma. And I had a ticket booked for the next day to go home uh, as a surprise. I haven't told mum I'm coming. Um, and I managed to rebook it for the same day. And I was home by nine o'clock. And again, this will be quite distressing. So please don't listen if, if you know, if, if you find those kind of things difficult. But I remember driving up. My friend picked me up from the, host from the um, airport. Uh, and I remember driving up to the hospital and I going in and it was nine o'clock at night and by some miracle honestly I think like an angel whatever you believe in was with me because I managed to sneak in and you can't go to hospitals that late but it's like an older hospital because they're renovate they were renovating the other one so I managed to kind of somehow sneak in and see my mum and when I saw her I couldn't believe it was her I hadn't seen her for a year at that point and it was the longest time I haven't seen her and um, she just didn't look like herself. It was so sad. I had to check her nameplate because I just didn't want to believe it was her. Um, it's so upsetting. Mm. Yeah, it was, it was just really sad. And then she was there for three days and lots of things has happened, uh, kind of with people, doctors being horrible to us and all of those kind of things. Uh, and then after, on the third day, she, she passed away. And, you know, it, it was... Um, as death can be lovely it was lovely because we were both there me and my older sister my younger sister came with us in the morning and she said goodbye but it was so weird because in that morning you know when I said to you that nobody ever gave us any time or didn't say any options and in that morning they told us oh your mum's got weeks to live we think she's going to pass away soon and, and my we were thinking they were going to wake her up on that morning and it's going to be amazing because we thought it was an induced coma and it was actually a natural coma so her brain must have just kind of shut down. And then my younger sister managed to say goodbye to mum and then she left and mum passed away. And it was lovely. We were singing songs and reading books to her. My my mum's mum was there with us and it was just so kind of beautifully sad. Um, yes, yeah, with you saying as well, like there's no like good death as such is there, but that does sort of sound, you know, that you were all there and stuff like that. But yeah, what a whirlwind and 
especially like being in a different country as well that must have been so difficult and it's just such a coincidence that you happen to be flying back the next day yeah. and managed to get your flight actually brought forward and yeah do you sort of believe you know that you described of maybe like an angel or something you know whatever it was the world sort of pulled together to be able to to get you there to see your mum albeit yeah I think it's still distressing yeah. yeah I think it did because there were no tickets online but I rang the airline and I said please oh. ticket for me and yeah. you know and they and like tickets were so expensive because it was uh well I don't know why but obviously on sh- short notice they're expensive yeah uh and I rang them and they said oh it's 150 pounds and I was like oh my god only 150 pounds that's amazing and you, you know usually it's 20 pounds to fly to Poland yeah yeah <laughs> you know? yeah but at that point you kind of don't care for it and and as long as there is a seat so that was just so lucky and and they were so lucky that my friends picked me up and and I remember that way back from the hospital because my friend saw my mum too because she kind of she was in the bed at the end of the room where just kind of opposite the door so even walking past the door you could see her and my friend I think she kind of saw it as well and and we didn't even say a word to each other and yeah um, but I think it 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 was like a an amazing thing where we uh where I you know I managed to sneak in I managed to see her because yeah obviously any seconds even a second longer to spend with her was was so so nice and I remember I was so scared that she was gonna die when I saw her I don't know why but it petrified me and then on actual when she was actually dying my stomach just went and I was like oh my god I'm gonna faint I'm gonna have a heart attack here so I left the room and that kind of minute where I was out the room she died and I was thinking gosh she really didn't want me in that room did she she just wanted me to because she knew how scared I was she kind of kicked me out (laughs) oh bless you and actually the way that you said that it was beautifully sad like I really really resonate with that because so much of the end of my dad's life was so painful to watch because it was so it was just so sad to see him that way he was a different person every single day because yeah. he was so weak and the cancer had just destroyed his little body but I was so grateful as well to have those moments you know we sat around him and we watched um race across the world and we you know listened to music and we talked to him and we had that time and like I realize now how much of a privilege that is to have that time and just spend those moments with that person in the end of their life and that's you know coining it as beautifully sad I think is just such a perfect way to to phrase it how have you coped you know like grieving here in the UK with with the loss being in a completely different country you know not having that time shared with her in those last months of her life and it's the strangest thing in the world it really really is uh, because I went to Poland for two weeks um so I was there to sort out her funeral and it was I don't know what how you guys found it but I remember as soon as my mum died it was we were so nervous we were so anxious so stressed out for the three days when I was there and then when she died it was almost like a blanket like a warm hug and we were so calm and for the days before the funeral we were just in Poland it's just literally three days you sort everything out funeral um so it it was really really quick 
but we were so calm and I remember my mum hated black she never wore black so we were like well sod it we're not going to wear black you know and I remember going to the the funeral home um in a yellow dress like a yellow body kind of suit um not body suit like a play suit my sister was wearing like floral stuff and and we were walking in and everybody was wearing black and like looking really sad but for us because you know I'd seen my mum's body and like you said it really destroyed her. So she was usually, I say, size 12, size 14. Um, she was really tall. So she had, you know, she just looked really nice. And um, and when I went to see her, she was about size eight, uh, really, even if that, she was just so slim. And they also told us that the kind of the cancer spread to her bones, it was breast cancer in, um, and it spread to her bones and everything. So it really just ate her up. And she must've been in so much pain, but she'd never said anything to us but um so yes sorry carrying on you know we sorted everything out we had the funeral and I remember I wore pink at her funeral my sister wore like a light gray dress um my younger sister wore black because I think she just really wanted to to um because in Poland you have to kind of wear black so the funeral is, is very symbolic but we just refused to do it the two of us um and we've asked everybody for white and pink flowers so it just looked almost like a wedding it was so beautiful um again just beautifully sad and it was so strange because just at the end of the funeral uh, the lightest little rain fell you know like a summer warm rain when yeah. it was like oh it's just so lovely Aww. um and then we went and had we didn't have a proper wake because we just couldn't bear the thought of it but we just had tea and cakes um in like a little cafe with just the closest people and mum's best friend and and it was lovely. And then, you know, for uh, my partner came to join us after a few, uh, after I'd been there for a week. So he met my family then. I just didn't want him to be at the funeral to kind of, you know, so everybody would be looking at my partner, not both yeah. my mum. Yeah. Um, so he joined me then. And then I had to come back, uh, you know, it, and it's like, when you're when you're around with your family everybody grieves everybody you know knows what's happened and you kind of get a little bit of like not special treatment but people are just a little bit kinder to you and they they kind of at least for the first few months um they really help you through and people want to talk about the person with you or let you cry or let you talk what do whatever you want but all of a sudden I was back in England and um and then I decided to go to work, I think, after a week. Uh, and somebody said to me those wise words. They said, when you go back to work, everything is normal. And the annoying person is still annoying. And the nice person is still nice. And your job is still the same. And it really helps you back to, to normal. And that, was, that gave me such comfort because everything, kind of my world has turned upside down. But I found it so strange because going from Poland where everybody knew my mum and it was such a, you know, such a, um, a bonding time to come into England where nobody knew my mum, apart from maybe a couple of people that, I, um, that had met her or had spoken to her on Skype. Um, but I didn't have those friends kind of close to me or physically in that point. So it was just so strange because my world had stopped and then I flew to England and everybody was going on, carrying on. Everybody was living their lives. And I just kind of I wanted to scream and say, my world has completely stopped. 
why is the whole world still going it needs to stop for a minute you know it just felt like why is why is everything still the same when the worst thing imaginable in my life has just happened I lost my you know my favorite person in the world my best friend I just couldn't understand it it was I think think so many people will relate to what you're saying um and sort of listening to you say that I sort of almost had a bit of a weird giggle because I just couldn't relate to it so much you're just walking around whether it's like the supermarket or Mm. you know going to catch a bus or something and you literally are just looking at everyone around you like my mum's died yeah like, <laughs> like how dare you do your yeah. shopping on a Tuesday afternoon my mum's just died didn't, didn't you understand <laughs> yeah yeah oh, it's, like, it's so bizarre yeah or if your friend says oh you know my boyfriend has done this obviously they don't say it straight away but after a few months they go oh my boyfriend's just done this he's so annoying I'm like that's not a problem that's not a real problem yeah. do you know what real, obviously I wouldn't say it out loud but you kind of your mind goes yeah you know what a real problem is if your parent dies yeah just madness and uh I remember when my friend lost her her granddad she was just the same she was like she's a social worker she was saying I just can't I just can't help people at the moment because they're you know their problems are just so little comparing to to my loss and and kind of that's how I felt but I, so it was kind of a, a two-way street on one hand it was lovely to be back in the comfort of my job and coming back to it with everything being the same and kind of okay nothing happened but on the other hand why why did nothing happen you know why did nothing happen to everybody else it's just me can you please guys acknowledge this can you <laughs> so yeah, um, definitely yeah. it's so con- it's so conflicting and I think you do sort of have so many conflicting feelings mm-hmm. um so you were with your partner then so was that for six months you've been with him did you say so um, like how how was that like obviously that's quite like a fairly new relationship and then to lose your mum so suddenly and like mm-hmm. obviously you know with all your family being back in Poland and stuff like how was that and how was your support network yeah in it England? was really like, strange did you have a support network yeah it was really strange so actually at that point I remember it was exactly about nine ten months we've been together at, at the point of where mum died because we've just moved in together so we've just had a new flat and I just remember thinking, oh, it must have honestly again been an angel because I lived in a shared flat and we just kind of got a flat together. And I, I was thinking, this is so lovely because if I need to cry, I have my space to cry. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. so I was so grateful. And, and it, it, lots of people from uh, from my work and my friends sent me flowers to my um house and to the funeral so that was really lovely I had quite a lot of support um kind of that way and, and lots of people from work were being really really kind um but I think my worst or most difficult thing was nobody knew mum nobody knew what she was like nobody knew that you know well they knew that she was my absolute hero but they just didn't know her personality they just didn't know that she was just this best woman in the world for me um and it was hard because I didn't have anybody to speak to um about it and I think that's where let's talk about loss just slided in a very (laughs) it was a lifeline for me yeah I remember I was so anxious going to the first meeting it was the clothes swap I went to 
uh, and I was just like, my partner was waiting in the car outside because I was like, if it's horrible, just you know, because I, I was thinking everybody's gonna cry, everybody's gonna be so sad. And I went you have this and, image of like us all sitting around in a circle and being like, hi, my name's Lucy, and my dad died. <laughs> it's like not hi, like Lucy. that at all. It's so social. <laughs> my it's like, like AA. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I thought I was like, oh, um, I, was thinking, I just, I don't, you know, you don't want to open up to people you don't know straight away. Uh, and I remember going to the meetup and, and Beth was there and she was like, hi, I'm, a, I'm the founder. And I was like, what? You're like all giggly and smiley. What? And, and it, it was mad. And then I, I went to a face-to-face -face meeting. Uh, I think it was just before lockdown started. Um, and we didn't talk about loss until about, two hours in because we played board games we had the best time we were talking about like people's jobs and and things and at one point I was just like so should we talk about the people we've lost the, you know <laughs> and I was like this is just madness because I'm talking to, to to a bunch of people who've gone through the same thing but that doesn't define us that doesn't really change who we are and it was it was lovely that everybody was dealing so well uh, but also I remember Ruby didn't come to that meeting because I think she, it, she was finding things too difficult and and I was like do you know what that's and it, it to me that was really important to know because I thought that's okay to say I'm finding things too hard right now I can't come to this or that um yeah, yeah. the Bristol group is a really special place like there's yeah. a really yeah. incredible like open culture in that group and I think that you know the idea of everybody sitting in a room and I've not even been to a face-to-face meetup yet I've just mm -hmm. done the virtual ones but just being able to kind of sit with each other and do something and then just knowing that it's okay for you to have that door open to have that conversation about your grief mm -hmm. if you want to and that it's not going to be shut down or booed away and actually you're probably going to feel more validated in your feelings after that yeah it's such a special and unique kind of environment it's really hard to explain it to people it really is and I swear they don't pay me or they don't sponsor me to say all those nice things it might sound like it but it's just incredible to you know to hear I think for me what was lovely is to hear somebody else's story of a similar thing yeah. I mean, mum you know mum didn't say that she had cancer and uh or, or didn't know and and mm. it was so kind of validating for me and normalizing and people were talking about their feelings and I was thinking wow yeah this is how I felt I just couldn't mm. name it or I couldn't really admit it to anybody or I couldn't speak to anybody so I think some of the meetings online have been really you know sad and we've been crying together and um but some meetings have been just so absolutely hilarious mm. and there is just no space for sadness um <laughs> I, I think sometimes what happens and you sort of I think you were trying to say it just then um was that you can go along to a meetup somebody else can say something and it describes perfectly how you've been feeling yeah. and you haven't been able to find the words or you know you haven't been able to pinpoint how it is you're feeling and somebody else will say it and you're like yes that's it that's how I've been feeling you know that's the thoughts I've been thinking and yeah it is yeah just really validating yeah and um another thing for me was that my two sisters were so one is 10 years younger one is four years older and a really strange thing was 
their grief was so different to, to mine. Um, so where I'd been so far away from my mum for a year and I haven't seen her and I'd really missed her and I hadn't had the chance to speak to her before she died. Um, You know, they had a different relationship. My older sister, you know, had a a difficult relationship because mum was obviously in a lot of pain and and I think they had a couple of arguments and and my younger sister, you know, she was so much younger. So it was a completely just a, a different ball game altogether. So when I wanted to speak about mum all the time and kind of bring her back um, by by talking about her and, and missing her and I just wanted to constantly just not constantly but talk about her so that I felt her closeness to me um, my sisters didn't want to it was too much for them it was too sad it was too yeah. difficult and my younger sister had a lot of regrets and she because she didn't see when mum passed away so she only saw her in hospital and then we told her that she passed away and oh mm. my god that was the hardest thing we had to do yeah Um, and she kept having dreams that mum left her and wasn't there and kind of was pretending that she died so that she can run off and have a better life you know so those all of those kind of thoughts were in or still are probably in 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 our minds Uh, and it's mad to think that we're grieving the same person we are the same person's daughters we are family, we are so similar to each other, and yet our grief is completely different, yeah. and yeah, it was, it, was, it was mad, and you know, for, for me not being able to talk to them about my grief, that's where Let's Talk About Loss came in, being that fourth sister, or third sister to me, yeah. where I came to say. Definitely, and it is crazy how everybody grieves so differently, and in fact, um, Lacey and I recorded an episode last week, and um I mentioned in, in last week's episode that so I'm a twin like I've got a twin brother and oh, yeah. even we grieve completely differently like we couldn't grieve any further apart and it is so personal and I think grieving as a family unit is really difficult let alone when you're in different countries I mean that just makes it so much more hard mm. yeah and I and I, I just realized I haven't answered your your question about my partner um, he he was just so supportive to me. He was just so lovely, and and he's really empathetic, and he's he's really t- tuned into my feelings. So, I, but it was so nice because he cried every time I cried, and to me that was so lovely that he could. He was so empathetic and was able to tune in. And even though he hadn't met my mum physically, and he's only spoken to her a couple of times on Skype, mm. um, you know, he was able to to really get in my grief and and be there with me and and be there for me uh and I it was you know I was I was just so grateful to him and and he never said um you know I don't want to talk about it or um oh you're going on about because sometimes it, it, it often happens when we're in the car or after something happens I just go oh, I miss my mom so much right now and he always goes oh you know it, do you want to talk about her how are you feeling oh he like leans into it yeah he really does and it's never too much for him he'll and oh I'm such a I'm like oh I don't want to throw because we've moved and I was saying I don't want to throw this away because my mum bought this for me or I can't throw this jumper away even though it's like absolutely wrecked because my (laughs) mum got it for me you know it's got holes in the sleeves like it's the colours all worn out I I still want it I've got a broken suitcase right and I'm like I can't throw it away my mum bought it for me 
and it's so weird because I'm it's like this random yellow suitcase but it just kind of speaks to me about and I remember that day when we went to to buy and I was just like I just can't I, I I can't bear to throw it away but he's so understanding and he's fine and now you have a full storage unit that he's pays for. Oh, you know with what, all of the oh, we've got two. <laughs> need to need to sort that out because I am bad at oh, that's so stuff. funny. Oh, honestly, it's so bad. But yeah, he's been he's been really lovely. But you do get sentimental over certain items, though. Like I can mm. totally resonate with that. Um, yeah, there's like certain stuff. I mean, you're saying about a jumper. I've got a jumper that my mum bought me that. I've never worn and I never will wear it but like I just can't bear to throw it away and like I've had that probably for like well like nine or ten years maybe (laughs) it's done like a few house moves with me and like yeah I'm I'm never gonna wear it like I don't like it or anything but I I, I cannot bring myself to you know take it to a charity shop or or get rid of it like it's just gonna probably stay in my wardrobe forever (laughs) yeah there are some things or I had the dress that I bought for the funeral and I was thinking I'm never going to wear it ever because it just reminds me about the funeral but then I managed to get then I gave it away to my my best friend who you know for her it doesn't have the same meaning and it's just a nice dress so I really want her to have it but I you know but I couldn't throw it away or give it away to somebody I don't know because it had that yeah. meaning still for me. Um, so yeah, I do get sentiment. And I was I was thinking um, this week about the weirdness of grief. I don't know whether that fits in with the podcast and whether you'd want to kind of chuck. Yeah, of course, go for it. No, no, go for it. <laughs> I was just thinking, and I do apologize for people. Sorry, I keep apologizing for everything I'm saying, but this is going to be have a little bit of dark humor. So I'm, I'm really sorry if people are at the beginning of the grief journey, but I think you get such a dark sense of humor from yeah, grief. Yeah, you do. <laughs> You know what it's so weird like the I was thinking about it putting my thoughts in context like um the other day so my friend just had a baby and uh, I was smoothing her belly after having the baby I don't know why I kind of oh I think I must have touched her belly just to kind of see your, the stretch marks or whatever um and I was touching her belly and I was like oh my gosh your skin is so soft like my mum's skin it was so soft and it feels like like a proper mum skin and I, I got so emotional about it and after I was thinking the other day that's so weird I've never think that about my dad like if I touched like a guy and was like oh you feel like my dad this is so nice like, <laughs> it just feels so random like why why is my head all of a sudden this my mum is on this like weird pedestal and everything you know oh it's just like yeah. those thoughts are like oh um I have to because I in lockdown everybody was baking obviously but my mum used to bake loads of cakes so I would make cakes to feel closer to her um but then I kind of never uh, or I would buy the foods that she loves to feel closer to her but you know I live abroad I haven't seen my dad for a year and a half now and I would I wouldn't buy like uh, a piece of like Silesian sausage from Poland just to feel closer to my dad. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's so oh, that's so funny. That's so funny. And yeah, like I don't think I've thought about that before, but it's so true. <laughs> when you like compare, you know, if you have like a grandparent or, or the other parent is alive, you you would yeah. never do that with a person who's alive. And maybe it's because they are still. W- 
there and they're, they're tangible so you can still go and see them right they're there you can give them a hug and I wonder don't they just do... go rooting through their drawers and smelling all of their clothes because yeah. be <laughs> I was thinking oh I need to because my mum when I was little she used to have those like perfumes from Oriflame and I was thinking oh I need to buy myself those for like an anniversary of mum's or her birthday so that I have that scent imagine doing that about like for my dad that'd be so weird buying my dad's perfume and being like oh I want to want to smell my dad (laughs) (laughs) that's so true that's so funny um and actually yeah the perfume thing I I've after eight years of my mum dying I've actually finally bought her perfume um I used to just use it when I was going through um you know like airport security and like they've got the perfume section I'd like go and just like spray a little bit on myself it was almost like a little like blessing or like a good luck charm it was like a ritual like routine that I do and then obviously we've not been able to fly anywhere in ages so eventually after eight years of saying I was going to buy her perfume I bought it um what was that like how did you feel um so I actually bought myself a little set and I bought the same set for my sister it was this Christmas just gone and when my sister um opened the gift set she literally just burst into tears like absolutely like screwed her face up and sobbed and we just had a massive hug and like now like I literally wear it every single day and I'm just sort of like it feels like I'm embracing my mum you know I'm like spray 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 (laughs) um so yeah it feels feels really nice to be able to sort of yeah it makes me feel connected to her like you say you know like doing baking makes you feel connected to your mum and and stuff like that um you mentioned about signs and symbols on oh, your yeah. notes I wonder whether you wanted to talk a little bit about that because I'm definitely getting like a bit of like a spiritual vibe from this episode so yeah I wonder if you want to talk about that a bit more yeah so my mum was very spiritual um and the, the really nice thing was um so my next door neighbour uh, she's recently passed away actually but I remember when mum passed away I went to tell her so she, she lived uh, next door to mum so I went to tell her and she was like oh that must have been so hard for you and then she opened up that she had two um, oh, near-death experiences um, and she's recommended me this book written by a psychiatrist uh, or oh, the map of heavens I think it's um, I don't remember his name now um, but for me, I, I bought it as soon as um, as I was home and I read it straight after I lost my mum. And it gave me such comfort because it talks about what happens to you when you die. And whether you believe, you know, it or not, it just tells you about this lovely experience. And it made it so much easier for me. And it made me feel like mum is here all the time. Um, so that was one really, really helpful thing. And there is a lovely book then I bought uh, by Anita Moriani um who the book is mentioned in the other book and and that was really lovely or dying to be me that was a great book as well um but that in terms of signs I've got lots so my uh so I had a really nice dream the other day um oh sorry because there are lots of things kind of intertwined uh, I don't know where to start. Right, I'll start with the first. That's sign. okay. It gets a bit confusing sometimes. Yeah, so yeah so just go for it. I'll start <laughs> with the first sign I had. So it was just after Mum died, and I was really upset. And I was sitting in my flat, and I had the window open, and I was sat on the sofa, looking out the window and looking at the garden. And I was just so sad. I don't know if I was crying or not, but 
I was just like, mom, just give me a sign just to know that you're still here, that you're around, you know, that I've still got you. Um, Because I knew if, you know, if my if if this kind of afterlife was real or if whatever I read in the books was real, that if anybody was to give me a sign, it would be my mom because she was so spiritual and she she really believed in in kind of energy and, and all of those things. So I sat there like, mom, please give me a sign. And the birds started chirping so loud and I was almost taken aback because you know when you ask for a sign you never think you're gonna get it and there it was that the kind of bird song was so loud and I I remember that I used to always film birds for mum and send her that in messages if there was like a robin or like a blackbird singing really kind of they sometimes sing their heart out don't they bless them they yeah, really yeah. so I used to always when I was walking to work in the morning I'd record them and send them to my mum and then she'd send me birds back and I was thinking oh, of course that's a sign so sometimes when I'm really anxious or when I'm like when I have some issues uh and sometimes the kind of bird song really gets to me almost like tries to wake me up and say it's gonna be okay it's gonna be fine um so that was my first sign and that was really lovely but my best 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 sign so I've applied um recently for a PhD um and I was thinking oh I'm you know not good enough to get it I'm Polish how can I do a PhD in the UK this is my second language what am I thinking and um I was waiting to hear about interviews for the PhDs and uh, I kid you not I so my mum's flowers were lily of the valleys because they always blossom on Polish Mother's Day and we used to always pick them for my mum and give it to to her Uh, and they were at her funeral and and she died in May so um, that we kind of gave all of the nurses at the hospital Lily of the Valleys just kind of to say thank you for my mum and uh, I bought a Lily of the Valley from a garden centre and it was just like just you know I just bought it so it was a tiny little a few leaves no flowers nothing and um on the day, uh, one day in the morning, I looked at the lily of the valley and there was a tiny little flower at the bottom. Like they don't, they don't blossom that way. They always get that little arch and then the flowers come out. But it was a tiny little flower on its own at the bottom. And I was like, this is weird. Look at this. That's so cute. And I just couldn't believe it. And then I went to work and I got an interview that day. Uh, I got that kind of interview offer. Oh, wow. And I just couldn't believe it. It's almost like her saying, because I was so nervous about it. And she said, it's going to be okay, girl. You're going to be fine. Um, It's just that blanket of comfort, isn't it? It's like that little belief in you, like that little encouraging belief that you get from your mum or dad or whoever it is, you know? It's just that little... I'm here for you and you can do this like you're my daughter and you can do it yeah you know stop stop worrying about this it's gonna be okay it's gonna be great so that was that kind of message and then um I went to see my friend um after I'd got the after I had the kind of news about the interviews I went to see my my best friend um and she gave me a card saying um she she does it every so often where she just gives me a card for something that happens in my life like not an amazing not like a big thing but she always does and and she gave me a card saying you know um, congratulations I'm so proud of you for getting those interviews that's such an amazing thing for you well done and then at the bottom she wrote your mum would be so proud of you and I read it and I obviously um welled up because it was just so lovely I just wasn't expecting it and it's a, a card with um, like a sunset at Clevedon it was so lovely 
And I went to sleep that night and my mum came in my dream uh, and we were going somewhere. She was like being uh, a bit like sarcastic to my dad. It was really funny, that dream. She looked on point as well. I whenever I dream of her, she's like a lot younger, looks great. Do, doing well up there, I think she, <laughs> she is. Um, <laughs> and, and we sat in the car together, me, my sister, my older sister, my mum. And I gave her the card from my friend. And that's never happened to me where something real from my life crossed that boundary of dream to my mum that you know I would always dream of her or, or some random things and she was there or about the hospital about the cancer about those kind of things but that was the first time where I gave her that very card that's and insane she, it was it was mad and she read it all out in English I was like wow you must have been <laughs> wow you've been doing a lot up there mum yeah, like, oh, you must have been busy girl where the <laughs> so she read it all out and I don't think the the whatever she read out was the same but she kind of she read it yeah. out in English with a nice little accent and then at the end she went your mum would be very proud of you and she looked mm. at me as if like what what does that mean I don't quite get it so I said um and she looked at me and went oh and had tears in her eyes oh, oh my god and um, she moved her up, like opened her arm for me to cuddle in. Mm. Um, and I woke up that second, because I've got tears in my eyes just thinking about it. I woke up that second and I saw my partner and I was like, right, I'm not going to hug him because I'm going to cry the very second. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. cry the very second he, you know, touches me. So I was like, no, no. And I was there for about 10 minutes. And then he woke up because I was stirring. And he was like, do you want to come for a hug? And I cried for about two hours. That <laughs> But it was so lovely. I love seeing her in my dreams because it gives me that, you know, a little bit more time with her whilst I know yeah. my sisters hate seeing my mum in their dreams because it, it's just too difficult for them it, it, it's too hard it it reminds them of what they've lost and it's so important to know that you know what I'm saying might not resonate with somebody but it might really resonate with another person so yeah it, grief mm -hmm. is mad <laughs> I'm the same like I really love seeing dad in my dreams and I haven't had him in any of my dreams for a really long time when I first started well when he first died I had like lots of him being sick like lots of the cancer lots of like yeah. really sad I didn't want to see him like that because I didn't want any more of those memories and then it got to a point where he would come in really kind of irregularly and he'd be well and I had a similar situation and I had a similar sign um as you and I'm like in tears listening to you talk because it just makes mm -hmm. me feel like oh, it just makes me feel so like special that that's you know that, that somebody else has experienced this but I'd asked my dad we watched um oh I can't remember what it's called the program on surviving death on Netflix oh yes and we watched this we watched the episode which was all about kind of signs and symbols and they were mm. talking about coins and pennies and things like that and so afterwards me and my partner were sat on the sofa and I said okay dad like fine if you're there like if you want me to believe in this stuff like send me a coin like I want a coin I don't care what it is I just yeah give me that coin <laughs> <laughs> I was like whatever 
And the next day I walk out of my house and like on my doorstep is the shiniest penny I have ever seen in my oh, life. No, no, and I was no. like, oh, okay, like whatever. I knew. Like I picked it up and put it in my pocket and I was like, oh, I live next to the shops. Like it's nothing to do with my dad. And then like a week later, I've still got this penny in my pocket and I'm driving along and I say, okay, fine, dad, like 5p, send me 5p because that's a very specific thing. Like people don't normally leave 5p, they pick them up. Like if you send me 5p, then I'll believe it's you. And that night I went to sleep and I had a dream. And in this dream, he was well and he was showing me around this incredible house. And my dad was a chef. He loved the kitchen. Mm -hmm. And so... He was showing me around this house and he said, look at my amazing kitchen. Look at this glass. It's like floor to ceiling glass, the rolling hills. It's just green. He said, I'm really, really happy here. I'm really like really happy. I can have everybody that I want here. I can cook forever. Like, look at me. I look great. He was in heaven, wasn't he? And he goes, (laughs) and I've got something for you. And he hands me 5p. Oh, stop it. And I woke up and I was like, what the hell and I went and had a look at this penny and it was one of the only pennies produced in 2020 because obviously people weren't like producing cash last year so I looked at it and there were only 20,000 of these pennies in the UK Mm. which doesn't sound that rare but actually when you think there's what 60 million people or something it's actually really rare and normally we produced pennies and and coins and money by millions and millions every year Mm -hmm. and last year we just didn't so my friend said to me we're he just sent you the most rare coin that he could find and it is literally the shiniest penny I've ever seen and I just I've got it still on my shelf and I always think about that dream and that was actually the last time I saw him I haven't seen him since but I I think it was his way of saying like I'm okay here like Mm. he knows that I now know that he's okay and that he's in this big grand house and it's okay and that I can be okay yeah and (laughs) you know he's he's got the space for you right he's looking after you you're still Mm. you're there with him in a way yeah that yes it's just so comforting Mm, absolutely I think it's one of those things like unless you've experienced it you don't really understand how special it feels you know Mm -hmm. um but yeah, it's just signs and symbols and dreams are definitely like a really common thing, I think, within group. Yeah. Oh, um, I went I went to a medium as well. All of that. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I went to the oh. in Bristol. She came recommended from my friend. So my friend lost her dad when she was 16. Uh, and you know when you went before you had before you were bereaved so you hear oh I lost my dad when I was 16 and you think oh that's so that's so awful I'm so sorry and then when you lose your parent and then you think about that person again you think oh god she lost her dad when she was 16 that's unbearable that's so you kind of understand grief so much better Mm. but for me that that reality that depth of grief then comes in and I thought how how did she cope I was 27 when I lost my mum you know how did she cope she was so young um and yeah but sorry but the medium came recommended from her and and it was fantastic if people believe it or not 
just find a good medium and go if you want. Oh, don't. I'm not sponsored by them. <laughs> but it, I, yeah, I found sponsored it. by Let's Talk About Loss and Mediums. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. All of the mediums from Let's Talk About Loss. Cool now. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Um, yeah, no, definitely. It's definitely something that I think is really interesting. Mm. Um, earlier in the episode, you sort of were speaking about Let's Talk About Loss and stuff like that. Would you say that's been the biggest thing that's helped you through your grief or? yeah absolutely yeah uh, I think the the two books I said they really yeah. helped me at the beginning of my grief but then when you're on your own with your grief and maybe your family and a and kind of able to help you or speak to you just find a place that will understand you um and I think for me that was let's talk about loss massively massively and just seeing that people are okay after it that people live people laugh because you go through that period at the beginning where you think I'll never laugh again uh you know how how can I laugh how can I think about life um when when mum passed away Uh, and sometimes it's really hard thinking how can I be happy about anything or how can I move on with her life when you know for me so I'm engaged now to my partner and thinking how can I get married without her? And those moments still, still come. So let's talk about loss is that place where you speak to people who've gone through it, you know, and you speak to people who maybe haven't gone through it, but completely understand your thoughts. Um, And another thing is podcasts. They really have helped me where, you know, if I was feeling really kind of craving just that grief outlet, I just put on a podcast and literally cry washing the dishes just listening to, yeah. to this podcast just being so similar to mine and I was listening to to Ruby and, and Dagmara's one and you know they're all so different but they're all so similar they're you know there are so there's always similarities but there, yeah. is, there are always also differences so that you will always find if one story doesn't resonate with you just have a look another one look for somebody else yeah. and the different types of loss you know I know um loss by suicide can be so hard and so different to, to any other loss um or loss by addiction or loss of siblings and and there are groups for all of this in that in let's talk about loss as well aren't there so I think it's oh it's been a lifeline for me there's something for everyone isn't there mm. um Martina I really really enjoyed chatting to you this episode I think it's been great and full of loads of stuff that's gonna you know somebody else is gonna be doing their dishes listening to you and crying <laughs> <laughs> and I wonder whether to finish things up you mentioned at, um earlier in the episode that you want people to know about your mom and you want people to know how amazing she was so I wanted to finish things up whether you just want to share a memory of her or like just tell us how amazing she was or you know whatever it is that you want to say about your mum I just want you to have the opportunity to say whatever it is you want to say about her now I think you know my mum was that kind of person that wanted the best for everybody she was so selfless and and I wish she was a bit more selfish and looked after herself more but she always you know looked after everybody and and really wanted to make sure that you do your best and even though we were best friends and and we she really really loved me she still sent me abroad to study because that was my dream and she always said you know you can do it you you definitely can do it just do whatever you you dream of and and you know don't do things kind of 
how other other people want it. Just be yourself, push through it, and, and you'll be fine. And and I think she was so empowering and, and she just loved me for for who I was and and that love was unconditional. And and if anybody ever needs that love, please just think of my mum and I'm sure she's out there. Um, you know, and, and she was so lovely. She was always fighting for equality and she was fighting some um some um some hate speech in in my sister's school I remember she stood up for for that and and she had like a round of applause from other moms and and it was amazing (laughs) what the things she used to do and and she was just so inspiring she was just unapologetically herself and and I I you know and I wish I would I wish I can be that one day where just don't worry about what other people think of you if you need to you know if if you need to cry when you walk in somewhere just cry girl just do whatever you need to do just know that if you're struggling my mum is out there giving you the biggest hug in the world and and telling you just be yourself be you know do your dreams don't listen to what other people say just carry on with your dream and, and you'll get there thank you for listening to this episode of the grief sofa podcast please subscribe rate and review to help us reach new listeners If you have enjoyed listening and would like to join us on The Groove Sofa, please get in touch on Instagram at The Groove Sofa or email us thegroovesofa at gmail.com.